This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, Charles Williams, along with C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, was one of the Inklings, that little group of Christian writers in uh, mid-century Oxford, who wanted to bring Christian themes into their writings. And of course, Lewis and Tolkien did it very famously. But Williams wrote uh, both novels and, uh, and nonfiction, which are extraordinary in their articulation of the Christian thing. Well, he argued that the master idea of Christianity is co-inherence, mutual indwelling, you might say. John Donne, the poet, long before uh, William said much the same thing when he said, no man is an island. Rather, all of us are radically interconnected. You want to see this idea concretely displayed? Look at the wonderful pages of that early uh, medieval Book of Kells, that masterpiece of early Christian illumination. You can find it now in Dublin. It was in many different places throughout the uh, kind of Celtic world for many centuries. It's a book of the Gospels, and the pages are, are masterpieces of illumination. Lines interwoven, designs turning in and around each other, plays of plants and animals and planets and human beings and angels and saints. It's Irish, yeah, but it's, I think, more deeply Christian, this coming together, this interdependence. The Germans, uh, the Germans always seem to have a good word for, for things. Their word for this is in ein ander, one in the other, one in the other. Wasn't it Greta Garbo, the actress, who famously said, I want to be alone? <laughs> we find the line sort of funny because no one finally can be alone. Life itself is a web of interdependent forces. As I was typing the notes for this homily, I was munching on pretzels, pretzels that were packaged by someone else, having been made by someone else again. Further, I'm thinking about all of you right now as I give this homily, all those who will listen to these words. And go back to those pretzels for a minute. Not only were they dependent upon the whole manufacturing and economic engine that brought them to me, but they were derived from wheat and grain. To say wheat and grain is to say the earth and the rain and the wind. To say the earth and the rain and the wind is to say the planet. To say the planet is to say the sun and the solar system. To say the solar system is to say the galaxy. To say the galaxy is to say the most fundamental structures of the cosmos. 
something as simple as munching on pretzels, if you think about it long enough, brings you into a profoundly cosmic context. All of these dimensions of existence interdependent. And consider your own existence. You spent nine months in the womb of your mother. Independent? Hardly. You were utterly dependent upon your mother. And then a lifetime spent in the larger womb, if you want, of our ecological system. I'm breathing air right now that I didn't make, over which I have no control. I'm dependent right now on food that I ate earlier, on water I've been sipping on. We live in a kind of womb that sustains us throughout life. How do we identify ourselves? Almost exclusively, you think about it, through the naming of relationships. We are sons, brothers, daughters, mothers, fathers, members of organizations, members of churches, etc., etc. Think of the ways you name who you are. It's hardly ever simply a reference to you. It's a reference to your relationship to someone or some group or some institution or some reality beyond you. We Christians say, ultimately, that we're children of God. Well, we're naming the most fundamental relationship we have. We're citizens of the earth. Okay, we're Americans. Yes, indeed. We're members of this or that corporation. We're members of this family. The point is, like the book of Kells, our lives are interwoven, interdependent, relational, all the way down. I want to be alone is just not a coherent way, finally, of talking. Coherence, to use Charles Williams' term, is indeed the name of the game at all levels of reality. Okay. It's against that background, I think, that we can best understand our gospel for today. Taken from that wonderfully mystical Last Supper discourse in the Gospel of John. You know, in John, there's no institution narrative. There's no account of of what Jesus says over the bread and wine, but we have this long ruminative discourse, and it's filled with this language of coherence. He lays out for us the interdependence that obtains at the most fundamental dimension of being. Lord, Philip says to him, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus replied, Philip, have I been with you all this time, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. See how extraordinary that is. How can this be true unless the Father and the Son co-inhere in each other? Jesus says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? See, who are you? Who are you? I'm the Son of the Father. Don't you know me, Philip? You can't know the Son without knowing the Father and vice versa. Though the Father and Son are really distinct, they are utterly implicated in each other by a mutual act of love. We call that mutual act of love, by the way, the Holy Spirit. What we're naming is the coherence that obtains within the divine being itself. Now, the impossibly good news and it stands right at the heart of the whole Christian thing, is that Jesus and the Father 
have invited us to participate in the life that they share, to enter fully into their coherence. Listen, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. Spend the rest of your life meditating on that line. What's the Father's house? It means the Father's being. It means the very existence of God. There are many dwelling places. You see what that means? God is not jealously guarding his own prerogatives, but rather God wants us in his life. He wants us to participate in the coherence that obtains between the Father and the Son. It's like inviting someone into your family. Think of someone maybe who has been adopted into your family, a member of a foster or foster child, who through the grace of the family has been invited into the interdependent life of the family. There are many dwelling places in my father's house. There's lots of room in God, in God's coherence. He's not trying to keep us at bay, not trying to keep us out. He wants us in. And that's the whole reason why the Father sent the Son from within the divine coherence so as to bring us into it. The love between the Father and Son, which, as I say, is called the Holy Spirit, can be penetrated, entered into, participated in. And Jesus is himself the way in. Now do you see the meaning of this, of this famous phrase of his? I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want access to the divine coherence, you must walk the path of love laid out by Jesus. Now again, there's simple logic obtaining here. The inner life of God is a life of love. Therefore, if you want in, you have to walk that path. Do you see now why the ethic of Jesus is an ethic of radical love, even the love of enemies? Whatever drives us apart from each other, jealousy, hatred, violence, racism, clinging to our own privileges, etc., anything that drives us apart, is opposed to the divine way of being. So you want in? Jesus is the way. It's not just a, you know, a nice uh, uh, greeting card sentiment. There's something that's very metaphysically dense about that. The way into the divine life, into the Father's house, is to walk the path that Jesus is. Keeping in mind And you see this now throughout the New Testament. Whatever connects us is always more ontologically basic than what divides us. Jesus wants us to live out of that awareness. That's again why the love of enemies is so fundamental. Do we have enemies? Sure we do. But what divides us is always less foundational than what unites us. What if you were to live out of that consciousness consistently? Oh, no, that person hurt me. 
that person made fun of me. That, that person uh, is my enemy. And so I'm going to live in, in opposition. I'm going to live in violence at the limit. What if you were to say, no, no, I know all that's true. That person did hurt me. That person is difficult. But that's not the most fundamental truth. And I'm going to live out of that fundamental level. Then you're walking the via, the way that Jesus is. You know, friends, this is why the language of the New Testament is so organic. Jesus tells us to remain in him, to live in him. See, this is not the language of just a typical teacher who has true things to tell us. Something much more radical going on. Remain in me, live in me. It's also why he tells us to eat his body and drink his blood, that he is the vine and we are the branches. It's just not the way ordinary spiritual teachers talk. No matter how much you admire someone, you're not tempted to eat their body and drink their blood. That's exactly what Jesus says about himself. St. Paul, of course, sums this up brilliantly by speaking of Christ's mystical body, an organism of which we, the baptized, are all molecules, cells, and organs. We bear each other's burdens. We feel each other's suffering. We will the good of one another. Why? Why? Precisely because we are implicated through Christ in one another. We have a co-inherence now that is a reflection of the great co-inherence of the divine life. Now, I fully realize how American individualism tells an entirely different story. Well, so what? This is the great Christian story. Remain in Christ, walk the path that he is, and you will find a dwelling place within the very life of God. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers. Every day, everywhere.